Erica, do you copy? Mm-hmm, I copy. You nerds in position or what? Yeah, we're in position. It's all quiet here, so you've got the green light. Green light. Roger that. Commence operation, child endangerment. Can we maybe not call it that? See you on the other side, nerd. Welcome to Upset on Podcast. This is Ash. This is Tori. And guys, this is our three-year anniversary. Is it really? Is that a word? Almost. Okay. Well, it was in October. October 2016 is when we began this magical podcast, and it's been three years. So Tori has an announcement she wants to make before we get started on the episode. I'm sick, so I'm sorry for my annoying voice, but she sounds smoky smooth, I hate like that. Demi Moore in the 90s. Stop. All right, here we go. So we wanted to make you aware of a couple of cool things. First, the good news is our anniversary, and the bad news is, guys, we let you know that we had some interviews coming up with some rad folks with some extras like Brooke and Jack and also um, Millie's photo double. It turns out that we cannot share those interviews with you because their NDAs are hardcore and they weren't aware of it at the time. So I'll just wrap it up for you. Millie is amazing. Somebody sat next to Daker in a makeup chair and said he's a rad guy. And one of our extras got to wear her own clothes. Ooh, exciting guys. Tori, did you watch David Harbour on SNL? I watched some of it. What was your favorite sketch? Um, I don't know. I love David Harbour, but I do not think SNL is funny He was anymore. unrecognizable, wasn't he? Yeah. But no, I, I kind of hate SNL, so I couldn't really SNL, get SNL, come on the it. podcast. No, do not come <laughs> on the podcast. My favorite was obviously the intro because they did the Stranger Things. They did the Upside Down. Yeah. And I really liked when A.D. Bryant was like, like she was trapped like, in the Barb. vines. And he's like, Barb. And she's like, like no, no, David, this is A.D. You've been working with me all week. Well. We have some strangers that you guys have heard from before. Our friend Jonathan from Stranger Sings actually lives in New York and he was so stoked at the chance of seeing David Harbour that he and his friend Rachel sat overnight, and I think it was Rachel, but they sat overnight outside to try to get tickets. So I guess what happens is is there's like on reserve tickets for folks and they were like number three. They stayed overnight and they actually got into the show. So when David comes out and he's doing his monologue, they kind of do a pan of the audience and you can see Jonathan in the back like standing up and he's like clapping and Jonathan was kind enough to send us some audio of his experience so let's listen to that now hey guys hope you're doing well this is jonathan from stranger sings just wanted to share a little bit of my experience here in new york being in the audience for saturday night live last saturday with david harbour yeah it was uh, an amazing experience first time doing saturday night live uh my good friend rachel lind and i both sat on the street for 21 hours to get in but we got in and uh it was really really cool hopefully people have seen the episode uh rachel and i both had a sign that had a a quick reference to his show frankenstein's monsters monster frankenstein on netflix which if you haven't seen it is amazing but anyway uh so it was fun we had some of the writers of that show retweeted us and recognized it so hopefully david saw our, our poster but anyway david was amazing on the show it was fun watching him in the studio because uh, you could see him interacting with the cast of uh, SNL on the side. And I heard a lot of people in the cast were really excited to work with him, especially Kate McKinnon. Apparently she really could tell that he he worked well with a lot of the really goofy characters and he was easy to kind of really go there. 
especially with the uh, the pasta the the sauce sketch if anybody saw it, um, <laughs> which was amazing. Uh, it also cracked me up watching him on set because he, as soon as he would finish a sketch, there would be like a, a handler of sorts that would come and re- run and grab his hand and drag him to the next place. So it was kind of cute watching David Harbour, who's you know over six feet tall, being dragged around by the hand by this short woman who's getting him dressed. So anyway, it was really fun and uh, really proud of him. And, uh, yeah, if you haven't watched the episode, it's really amazing. Um, he's, uh, he's more than just Chief Hopper. He's, uh, he can do comedy as well. So let's hope he does more than, uh, more in the future. So anyway, thanks guys. Awesome. That's <laughs> so cool. I've been to Rockefeller Center and I've... Me too, Ashley. Me too. And they give you the tour and they let you see the... Like, you can look and you can see the soundstage for SNL, but um, I've never actually been to a show, so that must have been a pretty cool experience. And I guess it was really cool seeing David. I mean... Yeah. I was just so shocking to see David and everybody was talking about his arms. Like, did you see that? No. And I guess he's dating Lily Allen now. Strange. Oh, we love Allison Sudol. Oh, we, we love her. her. <laughs> I love your one song. <laughs> <laughs> I love your one song. Um, but okay, guys, let's get here for the reason that you're actually here. We're going to talk today about chapter four, the sauna test. So in this episode, we have a couple things going on. We have Hopper and Joyce. This episode is all about them trying to find out like why Gregory was there. What's he doing? So they're on a mission and we have the kids. They're trying to see if Billy is the new host. And then we have Robin, Steve, Dustin, and Erica. And they are doing their, you know, they're trying to get into the Star Court underground. They're trying to get into those boxes. And then we have Nancy and Jonathan where they had their big fight. Nancy with her mom's heart to heart. And uh, yeah, so let's get into it. The show opens on Hopper's cabin. It's raining and Max and Elle are having a sleepover. I like this shot because it's Elle and she's brushing her teeth. It's kind of weird because, you know, Elle is like this supernatural kind of being, but she's just in there. She's yeah, just seeing her act like, like a little teen. It's she's so just weird. brushing her teeth and she's kind of having flashbacks to the last episode. She's remembering Billy say, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch your name, like at the dinner. And she's remembering seeing him in the void and Heather falling into the bathtub. She's kind of having a flashback. She's trying to put it all together because because she's so positive that Billy has done something with Heather. But then Max is like, no, it's cool. It's chill. We saw him at the dinner and everything is fine. Which I don't really understand because Max was around for like all the stuff that happened at the end of the last season. So like she should know what's going on. Like she should know that like supernatural stuff doesn't just have to be like Demogorgons. Like what's his name? Not Dacre. Uh, Billy could be doing anything. Don't ask me names, guys. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I'm not going to know the answer to that. I think what it is is Max is in a, a denial. Kind of like when one of your best friends is doing something so bad to another friend and you're like no that's not happening that can't be what's happening I think she's just in denial because even though Billy's a bad dude like we can see in this episode that she still cares about him but you know so they're getting on the bed and Eleven is like panicked she's worried she knows something's going down but Max is like kind of let's chill let's look at some comic books and so she holds up two comic books she holds up a Wonder Woman and a Green Lantern for anyone who's interested the Wonder Woman is Mindy Newell's number 326 from 1985 of course did I look it up to see if it was for sale yes I did it is not Uh, But if you wanted to spend your dollars searching on eBay for that, that's the number. And the Green Lantern that they don't read is Len Wein's Wines. Guys, I don't know. Number 185. Now, the Wonder Woman comic is interesting because, I mean, it is a 1985 comic. And maybe they're just trying to show that Max is trying to show female empowerment to Eleven. But in that particular issue, Wonder Woman is going to Central America and she's on an investigative mission. They're trying to, like, find some people, which is kind of interesting because it parallels to Max and Eleven this episode. They're trying to figure out 
is Billy, you know, is he the host? Because Will finally reveals that the Mind Flayer is back. The Duffers are really smart with that stuff. I like, because they did that in season one with X-Men 137 or whatever it was. Yeah. And like everything is like parallels, like what's going on in the TV show. Like nothing in Stranger Things is like not done on purpose. That's what made me look it up because I figured there had to be a reason that they chose that. I mean, besides just the fact that Wonder Woman is Wonder Woman. On the background of Max's Wall, we see the Endless Summer poster, which was a 1966 movie. It had like two surfers who were also going on an adventure to find like the best wave. And then you can kind of see in the corner, like a skateboarder. It's kind of like shoes and it's black and white. I think that that was probably a Z-Boys poster, like the, from that movie, The Lords of Dogtown, like those skaters, the surfers who like turned into skaters. Um, I don't know if that would have been big enough for like, I know that Max, I guess she did grow up in California. I've just been watching a lot of like Tony Hawk interviews and like a lot of skating interviews recently. Oh God, here we go. I know, I've been watching, (laughs) for the past like three months, I've been like watching so many like documentaries on skating and it's like, even in California, like it was big, but it wasn't, like they didn't really make it big enough until like the 90s. I disagree guys, 1980s skating was the thing. So then we go over to Mrs. Driscoll and she is covered in fertilizer. Her face is completely engorged. Like she's just been eating it and she's being helped by the ambulance. It's horrifying. It is horrifying. And we see Jonathan and Nancy on the porch and they're kind of freaking out like what just happened? And the deputy is like, you know, what just happened? Tell me about what happened. And we see, you know, that Heather's parents are tied up. There's a scene where Heather's mom and dad are like about to get attacked by the mind flare, but they don't really know what's happening. They just know that Heather and her boyfriend have tied them up and they're in this warehouse. And it's showing the dad and he's like freaking out and he turns and he looks at the mom and that actress does a really great job. She looks very scared, but not in a like, oh my God, a monster is coming, but just in a, I don't know, in a very natural, organic, like our daughter is gonna murder us kind of way. It's just such a beautiful shot. Like her eyes, they really read something like, I don't know, I watched it this morning. Ashley said murder is beautiful. No, (laughs) I don't love murder, but I just love the connection that the mom had with the dad in that scene. Just ask Ashley what her favorite podcasts are. She didn't say murder mystery podcasts. (laughs) I don't like murder mystery podcasts. I like investigative podcasts. Like the Crypto Queen, guys. There's this lady in Britain. She has one coin. All right. (laughs) But I like that scene. Oh, we have Heather coming over to them and she's like, uh, the dad is like, Heather, you don't have to do this. And she's like there's no stopping this daddy oh I didn't like that and then we open on the credits do you notice that this season the Duffers tend to do a lot of like things where something bad is happening and then the credits roll yeah so this episode was written by Kate Trefey Kate Trefey I don't know guys T-R-E-F-E-Y she was also the stand-in for the demo dog that killed Bob so like they actually yeah so they actually had a person like standing over him like that's what they sound like guys to try to give Sean Astin something to work with and it was and it was this writer and so I googled her a little bit more and I saw that she's recently written a horror short it's about 12 minutes long it's called How to Be Alone and it's featuring everyone's favorite Joe Keery and his real and his real life love Maika Monroe sick disgusting (laughs) highly against it I saw the screenshot and it's just the two of them kissing and I was like Tori does not approve of this Mm-mm. I watched it. It was pretty good. No, like, it wasn't. It, ha- <laughs> it has a very, um, I don't know. I would say just watch it. If you Google how to be alone, it's a 12 minute short. It's on a lot of selected features of the month. So the video is public and you can just watch it. And it has a very 80s vibe and some of the Stranger Things coloring is used. So watch it and post and let us know what you think about it. It's cut like at the, well, I don't want to give it away, but there's a guy in a black rubber suit that rubs on them. Dude, what? <laughs> just tell you that much. I don't need to know any of that. I'm not watching it. Unless Tori is in the black rubber suit. (laughs) So we have Hopper. The credits roll and we have Hopper. He's waking up and he's sick on a couch. And you remember they fought Grigori. And so he's like, he's always so wet and sweaty. I don't know what's happening. But he's on the couch and he sits up and he's about to stand up. And his towel falls and you can see a little bit of his... No. (laughs) 
<laughs> no. <laughs> a little bit of his butt. And basically, he's naked underneath the blanket. So it's like, Joyce totally undressed him and checked out his package, guys. That's all I'm saying. What? She was like. No, move ahead. We're done with this conversation. You've got to talk about it. Joyce undressed Hopper. She placed all of his clothes outside so that they could dry. And he was a naked. And she does a cute little look like, I don't know. It no. was good. I no. feel like Hopper would have had a better reaction at this moment. Like, taking a peek. Something like that would have been so funny. No, oh my God. It would have been funny. Yes, it would. Uh, and they're talking about running into Grigori because, oh, you know, in the last episode, Tori and I were talking about how Joyce in this episode, I think we said it happened in the last episode, but in this episode, she says, oh, I got his license plate from his bike. And we were like, no, there's no way because yeah. it was raining. And I forgot that in this episode, she's kind of telling Hopper, we can find him because I've taken down his license plate. But then she's saying it was maybe a what? I'm pretty sure it was oh, a whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... We owe you an apology, guys. We were wrong about that. I was wrong about that. Well, we both thought it, but I think I brought it up. So that was nice. And then we switch over to the girls. They've, they're waking up from their slumber party, and Lucas is trying to call Max. He's like, code red, code red. And I like this because Max just like, hang. Shut up. Yeah, yeah, and then the phone rings, and she's like, you've got to be kidding me. And it was kind of aggressive because she picks up the phone, and Mike's like, it's me. Don't hang up. And it's like, okay. Calm down, Mike. Right. It's like, we've got a life or death situation. That's not what he says, but he says something like that. And so they all decide that the gang's got to meet up. And, you know, it goes to the boys. And the boys are trying to reach Dustin. And they can't find Dustin because Dustin is with Steve and Robin at the mall. They're trying to figure out, like, how do they get into that underground tunnel? And then Robin figures out, like, she has to go get blueprints of the mall, which... Are blueprints readily available? Like, I know today they are, but I was wondering in the 80s if they were readily available. She says something like, it's amazing what this amount of money will get you down at the solicitor's office. Right. How, how is she getting any money from working at the Scoops Ahoy? She probably makes like a dollar an hour. I think she dumped out a tip jar or something. Oh, yeah. Guys, it is not fresh in our memory. <laughs> uh, but she gets the blueprints out and she kind of lays them out, out on the table and realizes that there's no doors anywhere. But if they follow the tracks of the ducks on the map, it takes them to the place that they want to go to that has the boxes that they're trying to see. And this has got, you know, we're back at the Hawkins Post and this has got the scene that we saw in the trailer where Nancy and Jonathan were looking scared. And Tori and I were trying to figure out, like, she was like, why do they look so old? And I was like, I bet they're applying for a job and they're nervous or maybe they're in trouble. And so they were in trouble. And this is a really, I love the way this shot is filmed because the editor is coming out to call, like he's coming out to yell at them. He's just talked to the deputy and he's just realized that Mrs. Driscoll has been harassed. Well, you know, according to them by Jonathan and Nancy. And he's yelling at them saying, you know, you can't, we told you not to do this and you pursued this story anyway. And what I really like is there's a scene where he like slams something down or something and the camera angle t like tilts and it does this weird angle. Dutch angle, thank you. I love it. They do a lot of nice shots and stranger things, but they don't always do things like that. And right. I felt like for this scene, it really worked because it lets you know something bad is happening. And what I also liked about this scene is that he's screaming at them and Nancy just yells back at him. She's like, it is so good. Like most people would just sit there and like kind of take it in. Like Jonathan, I'm sorry, Jonathan just um, took it in. I'm sorry. Nancy has no, I mean like from his point of view, like she is harassing that lady. He told her not to do that. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that because you remember they're going to get into that big fight yeah. in the car in a few minutes. But one of the things that I noticed, and I'm sure Tori noticed it too, is that they're saying, did you know that Mrs. Driscoll was a schizophrenic? And it's like, guys, do you know many schizophrenics? 
because we do. Yeah, we do. And they don't just sit around eating also, fertilizer yeah, or dirt. They're, they're, it's like it's like a change in their attitude. So you'll be talking. We have a close family member who has a severe mental illness. And you'll be talking to this person and they're normal. And then all of a sudden they're like, someone is following me. Or there's something on the street. This is There's something on the street. It's moving. It's coming to get me. But I've never, we've never in also, all of the years seen this there. person shoving just <clears throat> random. Like they don't, that's not yeah. the kind of act. That's not how they act. If they weren't there, she might have died. Like they're they're the reason that she. Yeah, like, Nancy got, says that. Literally, she. They're the reason that she got to go to the hospital. She would have died if she ate all that fertilizer. And I also understand that this is the plot of the story. Is that you know the the editor is taken over by the mind flayer, or he's one of the flayed, and he is you know this is the excuse that he's giving, and we're supposed to just believe it. But it is right for Nancy to question it in the car and say, "Oh, she's just a schizophrenic," because that's not that's not what they do. They don't just get crazy and start shoving dirt into their mouths. Like yeah. that's just not. So I liked that Nancy questioned that later when they're on the car ride and they're fighting. So after they get fired, Nancy and Jonathan, you know, they're in the car and they're arguing about getting fired. And Jonathan is explaining his life. He's basically saying, I don't have everything handed to me like you do, Nancy. My my parents don't make six figures like yeah, your parents get her. do. Get her, Jonathan. <laughs> that's the first time I've ever agreed with him on anything. She's so spoiled. Well, what made me mad about it is that I know when you're in a relationship with someone and you get into a fight with them, you guys like act in a different way or you think in a different way and you're not like thinking clearly but she says to him oh here comes the Oliver Twist routine and that bummed me out that she said that I laughed I mean like it was kind it's of funny, funny but it's funny but it's it's it bums you out because it's yeah. like she really doesn't have any consideration for Jonathan's needs. Like, he is like, come into my dark room, ruin all my photographs. Oh, you want me to leave work in the middle of the day on this internship that I really, really need to come help you chase down the story? Sure, I'm on it. Oh, you want to go do this again, even though it didn't work out? Sure, I'm on it. And she just doesn't have any kind of, like, empathy, empathy for him at this moment. She's just seeing it like, I want to be a reporter. These guys treat me bad because I'm a woman. And those things are all totally valid. But it's like, she should see both sides of the story. Right. And, and this season, at the beginning half anyway, it doesn't seem like she does and yeah. so it's kind of a bummer but they you know that scene ends with the fight because Nancy and Jonathan can't agree with each other and she says something like I guess we just don't see each other the same way anymore something like that something to the effect that's like yeah. I guess we're just whatever and she goes into the house and Mrs. Wheeler is like vacuuming which I liked Mrs. Wheeler is like dressed to the nines vacuuming she's got her hair done her lavender eyeshadow her red lipstick just Dude, to vacuum the house I hate like I love that because it's like cute to watch but like I hate watching like 80 and nine, 80s and 90s movies where it's like everything is perfect and it's like when they're in high school and every kid has their hair done and they're all wearing perfect clothes like what are the odds of that happening yeah I don't know teenagers in the 80s holler at us let us know teenagers in the 80s (laughs) it's kind of reminiscent of season one where Mrs. Wheeler is always trying to get Nancy to tell her what's happening and Nancy never will and then she finally comes to her and is like I think something's happened to Barb and she's crying and so I liked in this scene you know Nancy goes up to her room she's upset and her mom goes to check on her she opens the door and she just lets her mom in like automatically and they have this you know I think this is a scene that a lot of people really enjoyed I think the first time I watched it, I didn't like it. And I can't remember what it was about it. I felt like, I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. But I just watched it recently and I did like the scene. It's basically Nancy talking to her mom saying how the guys have just been treating her bad. And her mom is like telling her, you know, if you believe in this story, then you should fight for it. And yeah. that's, a, that's a nice moment. And I do like, you know what I think it was? Is there's a scene where Nancy says, or her mom goes, I don't know where you get it from. And they say, Ted. And then they laugh. <laughs> and then she goes, mom, I get it from you. I get it from you. And it made me think of that 80s commercial where the kid gets uh, caught doing drugs. And the dad's like, why are you doing these drugs? And he's like, I learned it from watching you, dad. 
my god. And it like automatically made me like, I don't know, that's what I thought of. Another thing that people noticed was that Mrs. Wheeler is wearing, this is gonna get not PG-13, but she's wearing like a vagina necklace. Have you noticed it? It's like a gold shape with a pearl. And it was an article in Seventeen Magazine and a lot of people were like, no, that's not true. But Amy Paris, the costume designer, was like, yeah, it was. And Mrs. Wheeler said, we called it our Georgia O'Keeffe necklace. So that's definitely what it was. And I bet it was just a play to like, like women in the 70s, how they were very pro-women rights and they were pro taking over their bodies and that kind of thing. I think that that's what it was. But it was an interesting touch. It's something that you wouldn't have noticed unless someone completely And they're trying to show you like, since they don't really have storylines with like the parents, they're showing you like little things that like go like deeper into like their personalities. Yeah, it kind of makes me think that, you know, Mrs. Wheeler and the when the series starts, she's stuck in this marriage with Ted. But like as time progresses, and I'm not talking about her fling with Billy or her potential fling with Billy. I'm just saying as time progresses, she, you know, she gets her hair blonde. She starts wearing more makeup. She starts going to the pool and fancy outfits. Like she just starts feeling herself in a way that's like she's starting to realize that as a woman, she's important. And you can tell that she feels like she's not when she has this conversation with Nancy. She's like, she's basically letting Nancy know that she's experienced those same things as Nancy has. And now it's Nancy's time to change that. And I thought that was like really important. But, you know, it's just interesting seeing Mrs. Wheeler in those little clothes and those little things because it just shows progression in her character. Really quick, um, since we were talking about Ted Wheeler a minute ago, um, I did not like the show. I really only watched like an episode of it. But um, the show Looking for Alaska based on that John Green book that came out like eight years ago or whatever, they just um, made a Hulu show for it. And the dad in the show is Ted Wheeler. I was watching War Games the other day. That's that Matthew Broderick uh, movie. And it's so crazy because the Duffers took the dad from War Games and he is Ted Wheeler. Like, exactly. The way he looks at the paper, the glasses that he wears, the way he's like, all right, son. Like, it's just, it was so good. I had a, like, nice little laugh. And I mean, I knew it because I'd seen it before, but watching it, like, that actor, that character actor must have really paid attention to that. He nailed it. So we go back to Robin and they are figuring out, basically what's happened is, is they know something is happening in the underground of the mall and they're trying to figure out how can we get to the underground of the mall. Robin gets those blueprints that we talked about earlier, but Dustin is not big enough to fit. And there's that funny scene where Dustin and Steve, yeah, they're trying to talk about how he has, he has crydo, um, basically his his bones break. And then they have Dustin telling Steve to like push him on his ass, to like push him through. That scene was kind of weird. Because when you're looking at Dustin from the head to the waist, he looks like a young teenager. But when his legs are through the hole of the duct, they're very hairy and he looks like a grown man. So it looks like Steve is just like pushing him on the butt. You know, right as that moment happens is they realize that they can't have that. We get Erica and Erica shows up and she's ringing the bell trying to get ice cream. And obviously a light goes off at Robin's head and she's like, oh, she's small enough. She can do it. And in this scene with Erica, this is what we get. It's funny. Erica has like three huge key phrases in this episode or in this season. And they basically all come from this episode. It's where she says child endangerment, free ice cream for life. And you can't spell America without Erica. Like all of them come within like a seven minute span in this episode. They showed some behind the scenes for this with Sean Levy that were really cool where they basically just in a warehouse built like these ducks and they showed Erica crawling through them or Priya. It was really, I liked how they did that. Um, I mean, I knew that that's what they did. I knew that they didn't have her up in a real building trying to put cameras through, but it just was interesting seeing him say, all right, Priya, you've got to go faster on the scene or you've got to look up or look right during this. That was probably really cool to film. It probably sucked, but it was probably cool. Yeah, I bet it was amazing to film. Like, it seems like everything on this show would be super fun to film but we have them and Erica basically 
she gets through and she's like operation child endangerment begins and robin's like can we please stop calling it that and she crawls through the tunnel she makes it through she's like oh i'm here looking at all these boxes you guys are so worried about she opens the doors and they're up on the rooftop and they're like yes and they all meet up and this is where they start to open the boxes for the first time and steve is about to open it and he sees like the canisters inside and he's about to pull it out and he tells erica and robin and dustin like move back and dustin's like no if you die i die and steve's like "Uh, all right (laughs) and he pulls open the green slime which i think tori and i said i don't know if we said it in an episode or a post but it reminded us of that movie the reanimator that's the closest thing we could see i mean there's a lot of slime like green slime or and the turtles like the ooze yeah but like in the reanimator toby knows like the exact name for it i can't remember Something about the ooze. That's all I can remember. But I think the reanimator is the closest that it looks like. And that's why we had our whole theory based. We were like, oh, and what they're going to do is they're going to pull this and it's going to reanimate people. But I mean, we're kind of right. We're kind of right. It's fuel for the mind flare. It's like kind of, we're kind of in the, in the area, but they, they pull it out and they look at it. And right as they are kind of just like wow what is this they realize that they're on an elevator that they're not really in a room they're in like a giant transport elevator and they're pushing all the different buttons and the it's probably like a safety mechanism like for people that open the boxes I guess they had like that was the booby trap Erica was talking about the elevator starts to just fly down and one of the questions I had is like if you were in an elevator and it started to drop rapidly like that not just like three floors but like 16 floors wouldn't their bodies have like been propelled up fast Um, Like, or maybe they just didn't show us that because they didn't want to show them. I mean, they show later them, like, grabbing the walls, and they're kind of like, whoa, I think that's in the next episode. I I was actually, um, like, a year ago, I watched this video on, like, elevators and what to do if an elevator breaks or, like, whatever, and your body would be pushed down, actually. You wouldn't be, like, flying up. What you're supposed to do is right before it hits the ground, or, like, if you think it's even close, that you're supposed to jump. Like, so if they were to jump, their bodies would have, like, flown up. But, like, the pressure of it going down keeps them down. Oh, okay. Well, they were just standing in this scene. But I was, that's, it always seemed like when you watch those airplane videos and you see, like, the turbulence, yeah. people kind of, like, fly up really quick and then they fly back down. And I thought maybe that would be the same for the elevator. But, guys, you just started from Tori. Like, you got to stay low to the ground. And when it's about to crash, you got to jump. Yeah. <laughs> and they said that that might not work. You might still break all the bones in your body. But um, you won't die, maybe. But elevators are very safe. They have so many fail-safe mechanisms. You should never be worried to ride in an elevator. Even, like, those (laughs) old-timey elevators, like, there are so many. There's, like, hundreds of different ways that the elevator, like, stays up. That's why I've never been afraid of elevators. I'm always afraid to ride in elevators. We had two elevators um, where I work, and they both stopped. And we had to take the stairs, but, like, none of the emergency lights went on. So we were walking down, like, five flights of stairs in the pitch black. Everybody had their cell phones up. And then they got the elevators working, like, a couple days later. And we were like, I don't know if I want to take this elevator because it was just very scary that is a scary thought just being trapped but now that we know what to do I think it's gonna be okay um (laughs) so we go back to the gang they're finally all reunited and Will is basically explaining to everybody that the mind flayer is back and one of my favorite parts is this is that they're asking him like how do you know and he's like do you know when you're on a roller coaster and it drops and they're like yeah yeah and Eleven's like no I just thought (laughs) it was so funny it was a very good moment because that moment is so serious intense but they just like insert like a little it's just like I don't know I really enjoyed that moment it was an honest moment I loved it. Will basically says to them, what if we trapped, you know, the mind flayer in here with us? And they're like, well, it needs to have a host. It needs to find another host. And they think that maybe it's Billy because, you know, Max and Elle are already kind of like worried about him. And this is, again, another great moment. You know, Billy is at the pool. He's at the Hawkins community pool and he's sitting up on the chair and he's got like a hat on and he's got his like icy, his slurpees, like putting his hands in and he's covered. And Max is like, 
he looks fine to me or he looks normal to me. And Lucas is like, how many times have you seen him with his shirt on? And they make up, this is where they make up a plan. Like Mike is basically saying that maybe he's hit, maybe he's not. Like they don't know if he's the host, but they really can't risk another person being kidnapped. They can't risk it. So they're going to find out tonight. And so this is where he's like, all the boys come with me. And the girls are like, are you serious? And they walk through the sauna and they kind of devise how they're going to trap Billy in there and crank up the heat so that they can figure out if he's the host or not because the host likes it cold. Mm-hmm. And Eleven and Mike have their little weird dispute in the room, in the lifeguard room. Oh yeah, because it shows Lucas and Will and they're getting tools or they're, they're getting chains. They're trying to get something that's going to hold the door shut. And Lucas or Caleb does a really good job in this scene because Lucas is saying to Will, you know, that campaign you made was really cool. and We were really terrible at it. And Will is like, I, I don't even care about that now. We have bigger things that we have to put on our plate or to battle. And you look over at Lucas's face and he just kind of has this look like, he just really wants to apologize, but Will is just not going to accept Mike it. Mike is a bad influence. I know. And then Mike is in the room with Elle. Elle has got like the dummy and she's carrying it on her shoulders or whatever. And Mike comes in and starts going, oh, this is going to be perfect. And he starts talking. What does he say? I don't even remember. But she's basically like, oh, he's like, you know that time when I told you the grandma was sick? She wasn't. I lied. And Eleven's like, yeah, I know. And he says, but it wasn't my fault. It was Hopper. And she's like, what if Hopper's right? What if we are spending too much time together? And he's like, no, he's just an angry old man who hates joy. I like how Finn did that line. It was really good. And then this is where Eleven lets him know that she was spying on him because she says, Mm -hmm. but if I'm from a different species, maybe we shouldn't spend time together. And he's like, what? You've been spying on me? And he's like, that's against the rules. And she's like, I make my own rules. Um, Yeah, she does. Make your own rules, Eleven. And while the kids are getting everything ready together, we have Hopper and Joyce and they are... They basically, they're just trying to figure everything out. And they remember that Gregory was at Mayor Klein's office. And so they go to Mayor Klein's office. Mwah. They basically. <laughs> mwah, mwah, mwah. Hi, Carrie. They Hi, go to Carrie, his, I love you. They go to his office and the secretary's there. And I like how Joyce has kind of like a badass. Um, I don't know. She's just really good this season. Like Hopper walks through the door and he's like, is Mayor Klein in here? And the secretary stands up and Joyce is like, you should sit down or something like that. And they basically figure out that Mayor Klein knows who Gregory is. They make him. Uh, Hopper, you know, tussles him around a little bit, um, almost cuts off his finger with a cigar cutter, and they go to the Klein's house, which Caroline was saying that that house, Mayor Klein's house, is an actual house that basically the people just kind of let their interior very 80s. She said that there was some set dressing, but it basically, that's what the house looked like. And I was like, oh, I'd love to go to that house. It would be so cool. With that peach salmon carpet. Ever since I saw that, I was like, I want some salmon carpet. No, you do not. Oh, yeah, I do. I want some salmon carpet, um, but I don't need that like black uh, shiny gold wallpaper. Oh, yeah. Maybe I do. Maybe I need that wallpaper, guys. So they go there and Mayor Klein basically has a safe and it shows all these blueprints or something like that, right? He's basically showing that he knows that Gregory and the people, he keeps saying you don't want to mess with these people, have purchased all this land all over Hawkins and he's got it hidden there for like security. And then Hopper and Joyce see some kind of map in his hallway and they figure everything out. They figure out where the power plant is. They figure out, they basically, Hopper just believes Joyce all of a sudden about the magnets. And this scene, Caroline is also in it because she runs up to help him after he's been tied up, like Hopper and Joyce tie him up. So then we go back to, I mean, I guess this is kind of out of order, but essentially we go to the kids and it's Billy and Billy's taking a shower, which is kind of weird because all the lights are off and it's like after dark. And it's like, wouldn't that pool close at like 
six like right as the sun is setting right. why would he be there by himself at 10 o'clock i guess maybe he's just hanging out there just keeps taking showers and he, can't, he can't stay really, cool yeah and he can't really go home and we have another scene where a completely wet person refuses to dry off oh my god and just starts putting their pants on so but so billy's taking a shower he gets out he starts putting on his clothes and his wet body without drying off any at all and he starts hearing things and he's like pulls clothes and he realizes that he's been locked inside so he starts walking around and he hears this noise and he follows it to the sauna and he goes in and it's weird because you can tell right away that that's a dummy that that's not a human but for some reason he still walks in and he kind of like puts his hand on the guy he, he's not really in the right um that's true that's state true. of mind like he's got the mind flare state of mind so it's not like and we saw the mind flare in that last episode his eyes keep dilating and closing right. over and over and i don't think i think the mind flare is gonna attack anything i don't think it's it's gonna really like differentiate between that's a, a good point and a dummy that's a good point one of the things that i thought was really stupid that finn does or that Mike does in this episode is so Billy goes in there he's got the walkie-talkies he doesn't realize that the walkie-talkies are yeah but Mike goes turn around and it's like why would you tell him to turn around before the door was closed I don't know like or like he says look behind you and then Elle is there she slams the door but it's like they could have just closed they could have closed the door TV show Ashley (laughs) suspension of disbelief I'm just saying and then we see Billy look out the door and he sees everyone and the first thing he does is he says Max oh it's so heartbreaking when he looks at Max and he says that and then she's just kind of standing there and she says do it and they start cranking the heat I remember the first time I watched this scene it was oh, oh my god it was so terrible Taker is like I think this is like when we saw Will in season two it was just like, what? What is this like, kid doing? He, and Dacre, it's just like, what Dacre is he doing? How has not got any awards for this scene? It's ridiculous. He deserves them. Maybe this season, maybe Stranger Things season three missed the awards for this year for when it came out. So I bet he'll get them next season. There's no way he's not going to get nominated because he killed that scene. Ridiculous. And I so think good. Dacre was posting that like when that show, when the season first came out in July, that he was like the number one search person on IMDb for like wow. a month or something. So yeah, but this scene is, he's so good at it and Sean Levy said that Dacre just like he's like he's no holds bar like he brings everything to the table but so they're heating him up and he's just kind of sitting down and he starts crying yeah and he says I'm sorry Max it's not my fault and she goes to the window and she's like what's not your fault and he basically starts explaining what's happening and that scene is rough it's rough to watch I was almost in tears like it was so (sighs) sad I almost said sad (laughs) I almost said sad sad. no when I almost cry at something then you know it's like touching because I don't cry at anything but it was really just the way like Max had her face in the window and you see the so little tear. Oh, uh, it was so good. Then, you know, Will starts to feel something on his neck and you see Billy starting to reach for like some tiles that have been broken. And this part's kind of slow, but Noah says, or Will says to Mike, you know, he's, he's activated. And Mike's like, Max, get away from the window, get away from the window. And then Billy, you know, slams his head or what does he do? He breaks his arm through the glass with yeah. the tile and he starts stabbing the door like a maniac and he starts shaking the door and they're like, he can't get out, can he? And of course he can get yeah, out. Of course he can. And he breaks through the doors and Elle is there and of course she's like lifting this him up. This is one of the best scenes in the season. It's like, a this great whole scene. sequence is ridiculous. This scene, I really liked Millie and Dacre together. Yeah. Like they have a nice bond. He's always like, I love you, mate. But like this <laughs> scene and then we'll talk about it in the last scene where they were together in the last episode. Yeah. Were really brilliant scenes, especially because Millie was like, what, 14 when she shot this? Yeah. It's like, she brought it. Like they brought together they're just like magic but you know she holds him up and 
something happens where he like knocks Elle down yeah. and he's strangling her and that seems so good too it must have been scary for Dacre as an actor to be like sitting there and having to be so violent with someone so yeah. young but I know that they have a good relationship I have no idea how they film those scenes yeah well Sean Levy if he ever comes on our show we'll ask him I saw how they did it on The Good Place where they had like Janet like strangling I'm not gonna I don't wanna spoil it if you guys haven't seen past season one but where they had her strangling someone but they had a dummy uh, but okay. I feel like they showed both Dacre and Millie like in the same like shot so I have no idea how maybe Millie that. was like standing on an apple box and yeah. she was just slowly rising up right. like like slowly rising herself up so that his yeah. hand just kind of moved maybe that was it but if we ever get to talk to them, we'll ask. I know that Sean Levy directed this episode. And he said that, um, this is a quote from his. He says, four days in a row, I blasted the Dark Stranger Things score from seasons one and two so that the actors could lose themselves in the mood of this horrific sequence. And he said, basically what he did was, Millie would just be like, when the when it was time to shoot, she'd be like, Sean, crank me the music. And she he would play... Um, the music from Dr. Brenner from like Hawkins. Oh yeah. Not, he's like, not the Stranger Things theme song, but like right. music from Dr. Brenner to really put them in the mood because they were like, but they were all in that room. And you know, there's this scene where Eleven takes Billy out and she finally comes and she throws him through the brick wall and she kind of collapses. I read somewhere that Millie was really just dehydrated and worn out. And so when she collapsed on Finn and grabbed his arm, she was really collapsing and just she needed to hold on to him because she thought she was going to pass out. Um, you know what I like about this this one scene too is that Mike, when she's being strangled, Mike comes over and he like hits Billy with something. It yeah, was kind of... Like, he, like that's going to do anything, but he's really trying to protect her. It was a little shocking that they had Will and... Lucas standing there watching like horrified. Max, I can understand because Max has never really seen Elle use her powers to this degree and also her brother. I mean, what are they supposed to do? He's the mind flayer and like... No, I'm not saying that they should do something. I'm just saying that they've experienced yeah. this before. I mean, Lucas has like used his slingshot to try to fight the Demogorgon. It seems like they would have been like looking around for something. There was probably nothing in the room. They were like in a little locker room. I'm sure there was nothing. Yeah. But I think a shot of them just looking around like they were trying to find something because those two are like, they're fighters. They fought through season one well not Lucas or not Will because Will was in the upside down but but I did like that Mike grabbed something and he tried to like hit Billy with it he did hit Billy but he tried a second time and it didn't work out so great yeah. for him uh and then we see Billy you know on the ground and he kind of like slinks away into the woods and they all just kind of watch him and it starts playing that song um we'll meet again I don't know it's like a 1940 song or 19 I don't know when our grandmother died we made a video for her and that was the song that oh we used God. it showed all the photos morbid. it's not morbid it was beautiful it's basically like it's a happy song it's saying we'll meet again don't know how don't know when but it's like you'll you'll always connect with this person but whenever I hear that song I think of Grant's like video oh <laughs> I think of Grant's video and it made me sad but um it ends with Billy and he's gone back to the warehouse and he's talking to Heather and he says you know she knows about me and Heather says he says she could have killed me and Heather says yes she could have but she can't she can't kill all of us and they they basically show that a piece of them has kind of divided into half of Hawkins they've got like something like 20 or 30 people in the room that are because Billy's Hawkins, army because the population of Hawkins is 60 <laughs> hey, Hawkins is a small town guys what was interesting is that, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see the other people that were flayed talk because Heather talks to him like, 
I don't know. Like the mind flare has taken over Billy and Billy has this thing that's like you let us in and now you have to let us stay. That scene hasn't happened yet. But he kind of seems like the mind, the primary mind flare has taken over Billy and Billy is organizing everything. And then the other people are just kind of like zombies, like like an army of zombies. So when Heather starts saying to him, like, you're right, but, but she hasn't taken them. It's weird that she has this kind of like... That she's not a zombie. That she has this thought process also. It's like king and queen and then all the... Oh, that's true. Yeah. I bet that is what it is. Tori, boom, nailing it. Boom, nailing I win. It today. We are excited for Stranger Things season four to start filming. We can't wait for that. Tori can't wait especially. She's hoping to get in that uh, extra life. Yeah, she is. You know, now that we know that Robin is, spoiler, not into Steve. Steve's got to find love this season. It has to He's happen. He's not going to find a background girlfriend. She's going to talk, probably. Well, maybe you'll, <laughs> maybe you'll talk. All you need is a line. All you need is one line. You'll be walking into dude, the video dude. rental, the family video. You'll be here's, renting a movie. Here's a little tidbit from me to you about background. If you get even one line, that is 900 and $89. So they're not going to give it to me. <laughs> we don't know that. Think positively. You've got to okay, remember, put it serious. out into the earth. Put yes. it out into the earth. I'm going to be with Mrs. Wheeler at a Tupperware party. <laughs> You're going to come in because Steve is friends with Nancy and Jonathan now. You guys are going to walk. Through. I'm like, hey, guys, it'll be great. So we will be back with you. We do have some interviews coming up. Yes, even though we cannot interview extras or photo doubles at this time because of their strict NDAs, we are still allowed to speak to actors. And so we will be interviewing Randy Havens right now he's just busy and so we're trying to find a time that we can meet with him because as we told you we're gonna have a guest host of Kat Dyer agent Connie Frazier they're close friends and we just thought that would be a really fun thing to do we hope to see you guys soon and stay strange thanks for listening to the upside down podcast hosted by sisters Ash and Tori for more information visit our website at the upside you can also contact us at the upside down pod at gmail.com as well as follow us on our Facebook and Instagram under the upside down podcast episodes are released every other Monday so be sure to subscribe if you love the podcast be sure to review us on whatever you listen to us on thanks again stay strange Hey, Kyobi. Hi. We just watched the scene where Billy and Elle fight. What would you think about that? Um, good. Didn't you say something just a minute ago about Billy? <laughs> yes. He had a tattoo on him. What, what else? What did you think about that scene? Um. I saw you closing your eyes. Why did you close your eyes? Because it was gross. One day where, um. When Billy was, like, starting to be taken over by the mind flare and you could see all the, like, veins in his skin. Mm-hmm. And when he was, like, dragging his feet on the floor, is that why you closed your eyes? Yeah. What did you think about Eleven? Um, bad. Bad? Why? You didn't like when Billy choked her? When she did this. <laughs> they can't, they can't <laughs> see your visuals. <laughs> you gotta tell them when uh, she did what. Um, cross her eyes. Not the right, um, and... Oh, when he was holding her up in the air choking and she was losing her breath and her eyes started crossing. You didn't like that? You were scared? Yeah. Did you like when Mike came and hit Billy to protect Eleven? Yeah. <laughs> it's a great conversation. <laughs> what else? We watched the part where Steve pulled out the ooze, the green ooze. What would you think of that? Um, I saw a Miller layer under it. I saw those little things where you open it and it stops right there. Oh, when he was in the room with Erica. And, and he takes off the thing and he didn't open the thing. When he was opening the box to pull out the green ooze, you saw that there was a layer, like a place that they could crawl out? Yes. <laughs> what is the ooze called in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Tori? And I couldn't remember. Is it just um, ooze? It was ooze. Okay. Anything else? No.